I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the Trampoline Hall podcast. I'm Misha Globerman. Uh, Trampoline Hall is a podcast series that takes place uh, in a bar in Toronto and sometimes in other cities and sometimes in a podcast in your ears uh, as it is doing right now. Um, the deal on Trampoline Hall is people give lectures on all kinds of topics, uh, some very serious, some not serious at all. But the one rule is that they cannot speak on subjects on which they are professionally expert. It, it can't be their job to know about the thing that they are talking about. After each lecture, we do a question and answer period with the audience, which is right here in the podcast, so stick around and listen to it. Um, that Q&A is like a really big part of the show, and at the beginning of each uh, show, each live show, I spend an interminably long time uh, instructing the audience on how to make the Q&A be as good as possible. I talk much longer than... Uh, you could possibly listen to in a single podcast episode. So we're splitting it up over several episodes. This week, I'm just going to tell you this. Um, there is no such thing as a two-part question. If you think you have a two-part question, you actually just have two questions. Um, we ask you to ask the good question at Trampling Hall and save the crappy question for a less discriminating lecture series. Okay, that's all for this week. Uh, let's get on to uh, today's lecture, which uh, does include mature subject matter, as they pretty much always do. So listener discretion is advised. The topic is survival, and the lecturer is Vanessa Dunn. Thank you. Thank you, Sholem, for having me, Misha. Lauren, for the lovely set. There is, in fact, a fire hazard behind me, but that's okay, because we're going to make it tonight. I know it. Which brings me to the uh, topic of my lecture. My lecture is entitled, Don't Forget to Feed the Dog, My Obsession with Survival. So let's take a walk. Let's go back, shall we? In writing this lecture, I, like any good student of therapy, took a good look to my past, my childhood, to find reasons why I obsess with exit strategies and being prepared. The memory that best serves is a time when my friend April and I uh, saw a poster, poster for a missing girl taped to a pole in her neighborhood. I was, uh, we were probably roughly 10 years old, which was around the same age as the missing girl. While we were looking at the uh, information and, you know, that detailed her appearance and the facts regarding the alleged um, abduction, basically she had left school and not returned home. I relayed the plot of a movie of the week I had just recently watched. It was called David and told the story of a recently divorced father who decided to take revenge on his ex-wife by kidnapping their son. The father tells the boy that he is taking him to Disneyland, 
but instead gives him sleeping pills and sets fire to their motel room. (laughs) Okay, we're on the same page. I'm glad. Um, David, however, survives. He is burned to an inch of his life, but he survives nonetheless. The harsh subtext was that my own parents had recently been divorced, and needless to say, any trip... Talk of a trip taken with my father was a cause of great anxiety for me for a very long time. Probably too long, in fact. Anyway, we were staring at this poster, and April informs me that her and her parents have come up with something in case she should be abducted. She explained that in some cases, the abductor will have the child call their parents in order to maintain a sense of normalcy. Uh, The child will say they're staying at a friend's house for dinner or whatever, Therefore, buying the abductor more getaway time. Well, if said circumstances were to happen, April was instructed to end the conversation with, and don't forget to feed the dog. (laughs) But you don't have a dog, I said. Exactly, she said. (laughs) And it took a minute, and then it hit me. Holy shit. What the fuck is she even talking about right now? Because I swear to God, my knees almost gave out because when her parents would hear that line, they would know that something had gone uh, awry and immediately contact the police. I mean, she had a fucking plan. She had a plan should she be abducted. And I was standing there on the street like a chump with no ideas, no plan, no way to get out of what now felt like a fast approaching reality. (laughs) Like as if on top of getting the word vacuum right in my spelling bee, I now had to deal with getting abducted and how I was going to get out of that situation. So I'm enraged at this point. Listen, at 10 years old, I was spending my time watching only two shows, Unsolved Mysteries and Twin Peaks. I just moved to a new area that was in uh, mild hysteria surrounding the Scarborough Rapist, the culprit, which we now know was is the infamous Paul Bernardo, who it was later revealed uh, lived across the street from my new best friend. I was leery of men in trench coats, freshly painted Camaros. I crossed the street if a car slowed down beside me. Like, I was as far as I concerned, doing my fucking duty as a child to fill my head with tons of scary shit. But up until that point, avoidance was always the go-to. I had no skills. I had no tactics. No one equipped me with any agency in potential scary situations. Cross the street. Tell the teacher, fuck you. I was mad. But I was also relieved. Because however far-fetched and unrealistic, a plan was a plan. A plan, an exit scenario, a code word. That potential made, uh, gave me a sense of control over what felt like a very helpless existence. Now, control would become a very loaded issue for me in the years that followed, namely teenage 20s now. But at the time, it was street relief. So cut to present day. And I am 30, 33-year-old woman, not ashamed, <laughs> who upon entering an airplane will order a Coke 
and asked to keep the can. The idea being that if there was a potential hijacking, I would tear that Coke can in half. (laughs) And at the right moment, perhaps when the hijacker is leaning over me to tie me up, strike him in the jugular. (laughs) Having stabbed one hijacker would now allow the rest of the passengers to take charge and deal with the other hijackers while I tend to the cockpit and with help from air control, land the plane. I know it sounds funny, but I'm actually not being funny because as home alone-ish as uh, this plan is, and many of mine are, I am thoroughly convinced that I can make that happen. I have an unwavering uh, belief in my ability to survive because I have to. Because for me, there is no alternative. Go down fighting, except don't go down at all. Now, I can't give a lecture on surviving and not give a big shout-out to Biography Channel for pushing me further down the rabbit hole with their addition to the conversation the show I survived. If you haven't seen it, allow me. It is a show that interviews people who have survived horrific conditions, attacks. Although some of them uh, are like outdoor things and fires, the majority involve rape, torture, and attempted murder. Apart from the odd Oprah uh, episode, no show since Unsolved Mysteries has really cut to the chase of my issues. Watching I Survived is like taking a walk through a minefield of triggers for me. It was literally unearthed uh, and perhaps reversed years and years of therapy for me. I was recently banned by my wife from watching the show after she found me sleeping in the cat bed with a knife under my pillow. (laughs) This was after a show involving a home invasion. But hearing these people's stories about how they survived the worst of the worst is both terrifying and maybe as fucked up as it is, reassuring to me. Every single episode is a nightmare situation. Every single episode, the person survives it. It's all about strategy, when to talk, when to not, when to fight back, when to lay low, when to make a run for it and when to play along. And it's that thought process in which I identify. A common theme in I Survived is the disruption of routine. It started off like any other day. (laughs) Is a line that is heard in almost every single episode. I guess my point is, and hopefully the point of this lecture, is that since that moment when my friend April told me her plan, I made a sort of mental right turn and promised myself and my family and my friends that I would be prepared for any potential disaster. Not with skills, per se. I don't um, know how to make a fire. I don't know how to wire a car or change a tire. I used a gun once, but it was in Thailand. And in fact, the majority of my so-called plans are ludicrous. Who thinks that if a building were to suddenly collapse, they could escape out the window with a sheet as a parachute? I do. Because if it was falling this way, you could go up that way. (sighs) My thinking is that disaster will never strike and catch me by surprise. And if I am surprised, it would not find me weak. In my heart of hearts, I want to believe that I will remain calm and mentally sharp if a disaster scenario occurs. That I will figure it 
the fuck out. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I, I wouldn't even say I'm scared of death. I'm not. I am, however, terrified of the 10 minutes before death, specifically in a violent death. The panic, the vulnerability, that awareness that uh, there is no way out. That terrifies me. And that makes me sad. Uh, listen, the world is a brutal place. It's a beautiful place, but it's a brutal place. And though I would say my rage issues and my survival obsession go hand in hand, I don't feel particularly mad at natural disasters. It is, after all, not personal and potentially our fault, climate change and all. Mechanical failures, car accidents, house fires, those are disasters that affect me differently. They're still scary and still out of my control, but they, again, don't feel personal. And we all know I can land a plane. <laughs> the majority of my helplessness, which is the root of my obsession with survival, is associated with violence and hate. Beatings, rapes, killings, torture, they're absolute in how personal and unforgiving and unfair they are. That someone should have the right, the power, to fuck with my life, to fuck with my safety, because they can, because they figured out how to do that is soul-crushing for me. I didn't grow up religious. There was no God looking out for me. There was my family, and that was it. And if my family wasn't around, it was on me. And I had to take care of myself. And so I am. And so I do. One strategy, one exit scenario, one king-sized sheep parachute, one severed Coke can at a time. I want to wish you all good luck in the big bad world out there. Thank you for listening. Vanessa Dunn, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Trampoline Hall Podcast. I'm Misha Goldman. Up next, the Q&A. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Are there any questions? Um, uh, uh, yes, you ma'am, yes. Yes. Uh, when I was growing up, one of the greatest pieces of advice that I got from the Oprah show about this kind of thing was... Never let them take the second location. Never let them take to a second location. <laughs> Whoa! It's like you guys watch the same Oprah show. Yeah. What, what other piece of information have you gleaned from popular culture that has stuck with you? 
So the question, is there anything else to be learned from popular culture specifically that is as good as never let them take you to a second location? Well, I mean, if we're talking popular culture, I guess Oprah is, and I would consider that. I guess, though, what informed me as a child was movies. And I would say that none of that was helpful because it was all misogynist and, and ridiculous. So if a woman was dressed badly, they would be attacked. And so I really didn't... That's what I mean. That's what I'm trying to get at is that I really had a complicated nature with what I thought I had to do to survive and what was expected of me. And, and uh, so that actually was a useful piece of information from a police officer. Uh, the rest of this stuff from popular culture I don't think did much for me that sticks out. But that was in my first draft of this. And I took it out because I didn't think anyone was going to get it. <laughs> well, well, there you go. Okay, so the answer to your question is nothing. Popular culture has only one useful piece of advice to give on this no. subject. And you've, and you've, and you've, you've hit it. All, all right, from, 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 the, from your curator. Yes, you, sir. Why, why are you not supposed to let them take you to a second location? Why are you not supposed to let them take you to a second because location? Because your chances then become nil, almost. So if someone were to abduct you and take you to somewhere to hold you for a bit... While they take you to the second location, you know, the, the chances are almost nothing that what? you'll be found or you'll be able to contact anybody. What are the situations where you have a say in that? Like your kidnapper says, I'm thinking of taking you to the woods, or do you want to hang out here? <laughs> like, no, that's the thing. You don't have, that's why right. I think the point was fight tooth and nail. I see. You know, to not get to the second location. Right, so if they're like, oh, it's going to be okay, don't worry, you worry. It, You're like, it okay. won't be. Okay, It All won't right. be, unfortunately. All right, <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, yes, you, ma'am. Yes. Um, when you were little, did you play imaginative games where your parents had been killed or you had to escape danger? Of course. Yeah. And was it fun for you? Yeah. So the question, just for those who didn't hear, the question is, was it fun as a kid to play imaginative games when your parents were killed or you had to escape from danger? Yeah. I think, uh, you know, one of my uh, favorite games was I was always an orphan. So my kids or my uh, parents had recently been killed and I would tear up sheets and, and, and walk around the neighborhood in these, like, torn-up bed sheets because I was an orphan. And I would have a walkie-talkie. Either I talked to my other friend in the neighborhood, and uh, we would communicate because danger might happen and one of us might need something as we were walking around. The walkie, just to, be, just to clarify, so your, your idea of orphans was that they dressed in tatters. Yeah, modern orphans. Right. With, uh, with but the walkie-talkie wasn't part of your... We weren't like, oh, those orphans with their walkie-talkies. No, <laughs> I think we were like, uh, you know, trying to find danger, get a little close to it, but then have, you know, the old 911 by, which was right. in the form of a walkie-talkie. Okay, so yeah, so of course, so even so, it was fun. It was fun to do. Uh, yes, you, yeah. ma'am. Yes. Have you read a book called The Gift of Fear? Have you read a book no. called The Gift of Fear? No. It's it's sort of about like trusting your instincts when you feel danger. Yeah. Um, and I just wonder for yourself, like if. If you are super sensitive to the idea that there could be danger around, or if you're pretty sharp, like you, you're not, like, are you paranoid? No, I'm sharp as fuck. So you think, so, <laughs> so your perceptions of danger are accurate. You are, you don't, yep. you don't have irrational fears, nor do you miss out on no, danger. No, I have so lots just of like, those, but I'm aware of them. I know, I mean, I know I, I probably can't line a plane, but no, I actually think I have a, a, a gift for that. I do. I think also, you know, I've worked in the industry for a long time and in the bar Wait, industry. It, oh, I think you meant the danger industry. <laughs> <laughs> that too. <laughs> Oh, in the bar, in, in the bar but industry. I just, I just mean a lot of characters come in, and I don't know, you, you get a sense, you know, sensibility. But I, even when I was a kid, I felt like I was always, you know, leery of the right ones. So you can tell. So you actually do have that, like... Uh... I think I do. Okay, all right. Well, uh, well, uh, 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 yeah, so you're in the darkness there, yeah. Have you been in a life or death situation yet where you've had to put this to the test? 
You're so happy as you ask, have you been in a life or death situation yet where you had to put this at a desk? I, uh, I have. I, uh, got, I uh, did some defensive driving where I wasn't, in fact, hit, but uh, the person in front of me was. And uh, I had to give them CPR, and they died and came back to life, and then they died again. So I've actually been in um, you know, a situation where someone didn't survive, but they did for a second, and I helped with that. Did, did, did that situation reinforce your sense, like that you're like, oh, I actually am? Because I think a lot of people have fantasies that they're good in those situations. Did it reinforce that for you? Like, yeah, oh, you I know what? It surprised that me. That, that, that uh, situation really taught me something. I always thought I would be. It's like, you know, I'm one of those people that if I see anything, if I, someone's a lawyer, I'm like, could I be a lawyer and would I be good? And usually it's yes. But at right. the end of the day, I don't know. Right. So with, with that, I was always like, I think I'd be great in that situation, but yeah, I don't know. And I really was. I was really calm. I think, you know, I think there's a humanity, as weird as it sounds, a humanity that comes out. And really, at the end of the day, it, it was about knowing some skills with CPR, which I didn't know, and, uh, and him not dying alone. And uh, that was what I was actually more there for. So that's exciting. So, it's good. so, so yeah, so good, to, good, I guess, to know yeah. that. Um, uh, uh, lady in the back in the red something. What's your escape plan for What's your escape plan for right now? Like I, well, I've scoped every <laughs> exit scenario. Is that true? Is that actually true? Of course. Eyes closed. Where are the exits? Like, where do you get out? There. There's one in the back. There is two over here. There's a chain up there that I can use. There was a disco ball. See, that's the other thing. I think about <laughs> weapons. <laughs> I would never have thought of the disco ball as a weapon. That's awesome. It's thousands of little shards and of I glass. And I like to point out that I'm not selfish in my, you know, survival tactics. I want to help everybody. All right. Okay. Okay. So there we go. So, so there, there it is. The exits and the disco ball as a weapon. Yes, you, ma'am. Did you ever physically curate, like, do you curate how you look in case something happens or in case, like, like, do you ever think of getting a tattoo so people could identify? An identifying tattoo? Do you dress oh. a certain way so people don't fuck with you on the Or I will dress away to not be fucked with? No. No, I, but I, you know, um, this is going to sound weird, but I grew up in Scarborough and, you know, there, it, there was a couple tough years there from 93 to 95 and uh, it was all about if you got on the bus and someone stared at you, you stared right back at them. You didn't look away. Because if you looked away, that showed weakness. And, of course, they would start bullying you and whatever. And uh, so things like that, I think mannerisms and, and, and characteristics I do. But, I, I, no, I never really thought about – I mean, I'm sure I've strutted harder in certain situations. But it's not like – although being a part of a girl gang would be cool. <laughs> But in a warrior, like, so like warriors, not like, you know, hurting anybody. <laughs> so a very specific Fashion. kind of. <laughs> all right, okay. All right. Okay. Um, uh, all the way in the back, all the way in the back. In the, yes, yes, you, yeah. Um, I, this question is total armchair psychology stuff, but um, is there any side of you that feels like these fantasies are not just fears but desires? Like, oh, interesting. To have a situation that gives you like <laughs> <laughs> Carl Wilson, you're good, man. Yes, I do. I definitely do. I think, you know, as I said, my, my rage issues and my, uh, my obsessive survival, sort of the OCD things I have, are, are hand in hand. And maybe I'm just looking for an excuse for someone to fuck with me. So... So that you can do that, vi so, so that you I have could, a justification I mean, for that I violence? I can't tell or? you, jugular just is like my go-to. Like, I just feel like, like this, I, I'm 
it's going to sound great. This cross has a knife in it. <laughs> so be careful. I think that counts for the previous question of do you dress in a certain oh, way true. to prepare. I think wearing a cross with a knife in it would be, would be considered yes on that question. So let the record show the answer to that one is yes. But, uh, all right, yes. <laughs> Uh, Vanessa, thank you. So much fun. I love everything you do. So, um, I think something about strength and cunning is really interesting. Like, that's part of the whole thing. I never think of these things, and I actually was abducted when I was 10. I was no. kidnapped. Oh, my but God. By really, really inept people. Um, I like that you tried to just, I just kidnapped, but I was doing not a very good kidnapping. No, there was a really bad kidnapping. They just left me in the living room. I thought, this is stupid. I'd walk outside and call. When no. I left it and call. Oh, um, my God. That's crazy. But I don't think about these things because I don't think of myself as strong. I think of myself as very mm. weak. And so it's weird. I walk through the world completely trusting everyone and everything. Oh, God. Uh, which is <laughs> <laughs> So just to recap for those who didn't hear, there wasn't exactly a question, but it's okay, because he was kidnapped. <laughs> so he can say whatever the hell he wants on the subject of this lecture. But so, but that, and then your sort, of, your sort of thought was that there's something in here about, about sort of strength and also specifically cunning? Is that like that you want to sort of know more about that element of yeah, it? Or? Well, no, definitely, because I, I mean, I, I should be worried and not because so, I'm, I'm weak and I know I'm going to lose. Unless... But maybe you assume other people are weak and that's how you escaped your kidnapping. Because huh? you're like, I'm no, I probably just assumed. <laughs> <laughs> it actually might be that I assume everyone else is dumb, and so right. I was able right. to use my smarts to get out of it. Well, not smarts, but just the door. But you, you're, you're, so all you did, so again, for those who didn't hear, he was kidnapped, but the kidnappers didn't think to restrain him in any way. They left him unattended, and he left. <laughs> That's really what happened. Wow. Okay. And so, and so, okay. So I, I don't know. How does that? Does, does he have any feelings about any of that? Uh. Uh. uh cunning I have seven different scenarios happening at any time about any situation and that's just you know I didn't know this until a couple of years ago but my dad is exactly the same way and it's something we never talked about it's something I never noticed until when we were watching Dragon's Den and he said <laughs> I got this idea and I said what are you talking about he's like people that get lost in forests bug me and I was like what do you mean and so he said they annoy me and I said, why? And he goes, because, and what it comes down to is essentially, and I think with both of us, is that he gets angry when he should be concerned. And I think that's where I come from. I get angry when I should be concerned. And when I feel threatened, I get angry. And so he just came up with this gadget that would put a, a, a balloon really high, like a belt that you would wear. And so if the helicopters were looking for you, they could easily find you, which I actually thought was a good idea. And the idea is you would inflate it. With the idea, you would inflate it when you were in trouble, or you just have it all the time, so they <laughs> yeah. just, like, just chase you around. Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, I mean, but he wasn't even, you know, on top of me as. Uh, wow, well, I'll rephrase that. Or I'll be able to debate. He wasn't, you know, like they weren't really uh, overly protective parents in any capacity. Like my mom. I always associate this with the 80s, but malls and like she would just like dip in and out of stores and I was just left to my own devices. So I think I was constantly being abandoned and like having to like, you know, use my wits about me to find my mom in the nail store, you know, three doors down. And now do you think that you, 
<laughs> do you think? Do you, so, so you're constantly just like being lost in the mall, find your mom, like just being trained for that, like again. Yeah, again, I was again. just like, where logically would she go next? I know she's an esthetician. She'll be looking for new nail colors. So, find, just finding your constantly missing mother, good, good training for that. Yeah. For that. Yeah. And do you th- okay. Do, who do you think? Who do you think is likely to fare better in the world? You, the person always planning the like exit strategy, or or your friend, con- just like. Um, Happily going through life, trusting people. Do you think that me? Yeah. Okay. But All I right, mean, you like, agree? I, it's not that I don't think Michael will do well, but I just am very okay with my how I am. Okay, good, and he agrees with you. <laughs> good. Okay, so a winner has been declared, and we can end. We can end here, ladies and gentlemen. Vanessa Dunn, ladies and gentlemen. Trampoline Hall was created in Toronto in the 21st century by Sheila Hetty and is hosted by me. Uh, this episode's lecture was chosen by Shalom Krishtalka. The podcast is produced by Josh Block. Our theme music was composed by Matt Smith. Trampoline Hall is a sumo audio podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you enjoyed the podcast, why not help us out by leaving a review or rating on iTunes? It really helps a lot if you do that, uh, so we really appreciate it. I'm Misha Globerman. Thanks so much for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.